Hi, Jacob's Well Podcast. My name is Steve Hay. I'm part of the care team. Today, we're talking in the fifth week of our series on Ruth. The focus will be on the kinsman redeemer and how the steps Boaz took is really very similar to what Jesus does for us. Thanks for joining us today, and welcome to the podcast. Unexpected hope. So it's the middle of January, and after having a good visit with a friend, you're about an hour into a two-hour drive home. It's night, a few snowflakes falling, but nothing that really worries you. And then it's like you hit this wall, this, this heavy snowfall that suddenly begins to just occupy you and scare you, and you're grabbing the wheel and your knuckles turn white You're looking into the the darkness, trying to figure out your way. It's snowing so hard that soon you begin to lose that judgment of where the edge of the road is. Part of you is, is hopeful that you'll make it home, but part of you is also quite honestly worried. And then you notice in the distance some red blinking lights. Your mind races. Is somebody stuck in the ditch? Is there somebody stranded alongside the road? And then you see that the road in front of you has been plowed. And you receive unexpected hope. What about the cancer patient that has gone through months and months of very agonizing chemo treatments, all with that hope that they'll have just a little bit more life, a little bit more time with their family and friends? Following their last treatment, they go through their CT scan and they're waiting for the prognosis, which quite honestly they fear. The doctor comes in and gives them the news that their tumor is shrinking. And for the first time, there's talk of a possible remission. And that patient receives unexpected hope. In my own life, following a divorce that I did not initiate or want... I slowly began to date other women with the hope that I would soon find love and companionship. Praying that God would lead me to just the right woman. I have to admit after several relationships I began to feel a little uncertain about getting married again. Not because of anything about those women but all because of my insecurities and my issues. I remember telling God at one point I would be at peace if I were to remain single. Then, a blind date was set up. And I met the woman that God knew was perfect for me. Unexpected Hope is the name of the series that we've been going through this summer. We're in week five. Thank you for being here today. Before we continue, let's take time to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for the opportunity to begin this service through music and the worship of you and all you provide for us daily. May this teaching time be guided by your spirit so that all of us may learn more about you and grow to become more like Jesus. For all of us facing a situation, may your hand guide us with hope. We pray this all. In Jesus' name, amen. Knowing the realities of summer, that uh, some of you might have been here after several weeks off, let me take a few moments just to review 
our story of Ruth and some of the main themes that have been talked about. Five weeks ago, we started with Pastor Grant, who introduced us to Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons, Kilion and Malon. And this family, because of a famine that was going on in their hometown of Bethlehem, needed to move to Moab. Moab was a detestable place, but their drive for food was more important. Unfortunately, shortly after their arrival, Elimelech died. Over the next 10 years, the two sons married Moabite women, and then they died. So after the end of one short decade, we find that Naomi is now a poor widow in a foreign land. But the lesson, the lesson that was taught for us is that what was unexpected was not unexpected to God. In week two, Jordan continued the story talking about Naomi in unexpected hope, deciding that she needed to return to Bethlehem, and one of her daughter-in-laws, a woman by the name Ruth, committed to go with her. Although the two women arrived in Bethlehem with an uncertain future, we see that no situation was beyond God's reach, that none of us are homeless or helpless with God. Two weeks ago, Haley shared that Ruth went with unexpected hope to the barley fields to glean from the harvest and was noticed by Boaz, who took intentional steps to provide food and protection for her and Naomi. Through this lesson, we learned that God's plan continues to unfold as we make our choices. Jenna spoke last week through chapter 3 with a message that taught us we can show hope through the good consequences of our actions. Following Naomi's instructions, Ruth took the bold step of going to lay at the feet of Boaz on the threshing floor. The resulting conversation reminded Boaz of his possible role as a kinsman redeemer, and in turn, Boaz promised to take intentional steps to help care for Ruth and Naomi. So now, it's the next morning. And continuing with the last verse in chapter 3, Naomi says, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man, and here Naomi's talking about Boaz, will not rest until the matter is settled today. There is hope, but Ruth must now wait because the matter is out of her hands. Now, I'm guessing that for some of you out here, there's a part of you that's that romantic, that likes that beautiful love story. Maybe it's through books or through movies and the Kleenex comes out at all the right times. Well, if we think about our story of Ruth, There's been some of that. There's been trials. There's been hardship, chance meetings, and conversations in the night. Now, all we need is that scene from Pride and Prejudice. Ruth is walking through the midst of the garden in the morning. She turns, and there is Boaz walking toward her. Well, while Ruth is a love story, rather than being a love story about a man and a woman, 
It is a book that gives us one more example of God's love for his people and the way that he works in all of the details of our lives. Continuing into chapter 4, verse 1, Boaz now went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. So what is going on here, as you see in the picture, this is an artist rendition of what the town gate might have looked like. This is an open area between the inner and the outer wall. This open area served a variety of purposes. Sometimes it was the marketplace. Sometimes it was a public forum where people could exchange ideas. This particular time in our story, it is the town hall, the courthouse, if you will, where administrative hearings were held and the personal business of people were transacted, often in times of the presence of witnesses. So Boaz is waiting. He stops this relative of his to discuss some family business. The man who remains unidentified is a closer relative to the deceased man called Elimelech. This no-name relative has the opportunity to step into his role as the family's kinsman redeemer. You might have heard that name or word if you've been coming to the services here. So let's take a moment to just find out what this means. The kinsman redeemer was described in Leviticus 25. At this time in history, there is no police force. There is no government to provide a safety net for those that were poor, widowed, or vulnerable. And so... Through Leviticus 25, we learn that the Redeemer has the obligation to redeem or help a relative that was in serious difficulty, to provide that safety net to maintain the wholeness and the health of the family. Redeemers were given certain duties and responsibilities through the clan, through the laws and the customs, and the people understood that the kinsmen redeemers were there to ensure the well-being of the family members. So for example, if somebody like Naomi, who was poor and needed to sell their land, a near relative was to secure the lands belonging to the family, thereby providing support for Naomi and making sure that the land stayed within the family. By assisting in this way, the kinsman redeemer would often sacrifice their own time, resources, and needs all for the sake of helping the relative. Going on to verse 2, it says, Boaz took ten elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Boaz and this no-name relative are now in the presence of ten men or elders of the town. These would be men from different families that were seen as leaders in the town. They were there to be an impartial witness and to ensure that the transactions and the decisions were transparent, right, and fair. The stage is set. Let the discussion begin. Then he, meaning Boaz, said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has, brought back, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. 
I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Then the no-name relative says, I will redeem it. Naomi's known in town. People there know that she came back from Moab. They also know that her husband died. And now Naomi needs to sell the land that her husband owned in order to provide support for her and to make sure that the land stays within the family. The unnamed family member is given a decision to redeem the land or to relinquish his rights and let Boaz take that step. Now, the understanding was that whoever bought the land would also be responsible for the ongoing care of Naomi. This wasn't a marriage. Naomi was of age that she did not, could not any longer have children. But there would be costs and responsibilities going forward. Even so, the unnamed kinsman redeemer knows that adding additional land to him would increase his status in the community, and there would be then even additional resources and rewards for his own sons to inherit. To all of this, he could be seen then as taking the right step and doing the right thing. He says, yes, I will do that. I will take that responsibility. Ah, but there's more to this deal. In verse 5, Boaz says, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So Boaz has stated that along with acquiring the property, one would also marry Ruth in order to keep the line of the deceased husband alive. Boaz is speaking about a law from Deuteronomy 25 called the Leverite marriage. In that, it stated that if a married brother died without a son, they did not want the widow to marry outside the family. Rather, her husband's brother was to take her and marry her. And then their firstborn son was to carry on the name of the dead brother. Widows were some of the most vulnerable people in society. Generally, without a husband or a son, they had no money, no job, no status, property, or power. Without redemption from a family member, it is most likely that a widow would become a homeless, helpless beggar. So now, while some of you women here might cringe at the thought of marrying your brother-in-law, <laughs> having this law back then protected women and allowed for their ongoing care. Now, in the case of Ruth, neither the no-name relative or Elimelech was a brother of either the husband or Ruth's former husband of Malon. 
So marriage to Ruth to provide for her and to produce an heir to the family was not required under the law. But as Boaz craftily brings the plight of Ruth in front of the witnesses, it's now seen as the right thing to do. To this, the relative says he cannot take this step. Legally, he still could have taken the land, but the proposal is now a package. To this, the no-name relative realizes that to marry Ruth would change the inheritance he has planned for his son and place him in a marriage with a foreign woman from the land of Moab. He says, no, I cannot redeem it. Going into verse 9, it says, Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are my witnesses. For I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. Boaz steps in as a man of integrity and not only follows the letter of the law, but also the spirit of the law. And he says that he will purchase the land and marry Ruth. You see, to be a kinsman redeemer, there were three requirements that the male must have. First, he must be near of kin. To this, both the unnamed relative and Boaz fit. They're both part of this family. Second, they must be able to redeem. That is, they needed to have the resources in order to, in this case, purchase the land. Again, both men meet that requirement. But the third requirement is that they need to be willing to redeem. The unnamed relative was not willing to set aside his plans and redeem Ruth and the family name through the birth of a son. In her study of Ruth entitled Lost Love and Legacy, author Kelly Minter asked the following when comparing the relative and Boaz. I wonder if your life can be easily explained, if most of your decisions are simply based on what benefits you and your life, I encourage you to note the difference between Boaz and the unnamed Redeemer. One did the extraordinary and the other the expected. One chose sacrifice and love while the other chose safety. One left a legacy in the pages of scripture. The other was never heard from again. After meeting my wife on a blind date, we continued to date for eight months, and then we got married. Through this marriage, God has used my wife to redeem in me a hope for what marriage can be. Has God placed you in a position or a situation where you would be able to redeem someone? Do you have a family member, an elderly parent, an adult child, that needs help? Is there a relationship within the family or at work that is strained? Is there an organization that needs help and you have the skills to help? In these cases, you might be able, but are you willing?
One local organization that is both able and willing to redeem is Fierce Freedom. Just this past Monday, I was able to sit down with Carrie Schwartz, who works for Fierce Freedom, to find out more about this organization and the justice run coming up on Wednesday. Let's take a moment to watch our conversation. Hello, everyone. We have the opportunity to meet with Carrie Schwartz. Uh, Carrie is part of Fierce Freedom, and welcome to you. I'm thankful that you were able to, to join us today. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about this organization and how you got involved in it? Yes, so Fierce Freedom is a nonprofit in the local area, and we work to fight human trafficking and exploitation through education and victim support. And I first got involved about 12 years ago when I first learned about human trafficking. And honestly, it just struck me as the most evil thing I could think of mm. in the world, mm -hmm. um, particularly mm -hmm. the sexual exploitation of children. Mm. Um, so when I had the opportunity to start volunteering and helping with the justice race, um, I could think of no better cause to get involved with. Very nice. Uh, well, we are today talking about the story of Ruth. And in that story, there is a man by the name of Boaz. He takes specific steps to redeem two women, Naomi and Ruth. My understanding of Fierce Freedom is that they do help to redeem people. Can you tell us more about that? So just like the story of Naomi and Ruth in the Bible, they mm -hmm. were some of the most vulnerable people in their society. Right. And right. traffickers will target some of the most vulnerable in our society, such mm -hmm. as children or people who have been abused or the poor. And so Fierce Freedom, through advocacy and support, is in the business of restoring people to their God-given identity in Christ, that they are Beautiful. worthy of yeah. love and respect. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, we're in the business of restoring a God-given identity to those who are on the other side of the equation, who are... Okay maybe trapped in um, pornography or sex addiction. And um, beyond helping through victim services, education is just key for us. And so going out in the community and talking to people about the dangers of trafficking mm -hmm. and um, also restoring our society's view of sex and that um, pornography and um, sexual exploitation are clearly outside of God's design. Right, right. So this is a huge step that this organization is doing to try and combat something that is not diminishing, but rather growing. Mm -hmm. Well, to do all this, it takes funding. You, yes. you, you need the support. I understand that you have a run this Wednesday. Tell us about that and how that might support Fierce Freedom. Yes, so the Justice Race is coming up this Wednesday at Carson Park. This is our primary fundraiser of the year. Okay. So um, people can get involved either by running or walking or volunteering or donating or simply coming out to the event um, to support us. So um, if people are interested in running or walking or volunteering, they can stop at the table out in our gathering okay. area today. Um, registration online ends on Monday, but people can also come on the day of the race starting at 430 and sign up. If people aren't interested in running or walking, we would love to have them come down. We'll have an education tent where people can do um, a walkthrough through a display to learn more about what trafficking looks like in Wisconsin mm -hmm. and have the opportunity to talk with our staff more about ways that they can get involved and support us. And, um, yeah, we'd just love to have people come out. It's a fun family event. There are um, games for kids to play. Okay. There will be education aspects for all ages. 
and um, a hot dog stand, some fair trade vendors, and also our sponsors will be there with some booths too. The kids race is at six o'clock, and then the five and the two mile races start at 6.30. Okay, and, and where in Carson Park would we find this going on? It's um, at the main pavilion, the Oak Pavilion, between the main playground and the main parking lot next okay. to the baseball stadium. Okay. Okay. Well, Carrie, thank you. Thank you for being here today. And uh, as a church, we just uh, just cherish the, the, the opportunity to come alongside Fierce Freedom to support you and encourage you. So as Carrie said, uh, there is a table out in the lobby and would encourage you to stop by and support this organization. Uh, Fierce Freedom, again, is one of our share partners. It is an organization this church firmly backs and would encourage you to check out more about it. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. Getting back to our study then in Unexpected Hope, Boaz presented the need of Naomi and Ruth and asked his relative to be their redeemer. As the no-name relative declines, Boaz steps into the role as the kinsman redeemer, and along with the purchase of the land, also publicly declared his intention to marry Ruth. Let me go back for just a moment to a verse that we've already read. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite Malon's widow as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Please understand that Boaz is talking in front of his community, in front of the elders. He's not trying to hide anything. He's clearly laying out that this woman has a past. She comes from a land that most people wouldn't even want to be part of their life. Speaking the truth that Ruth was a Moabite and a widow, Boaz, though, publicly declares that her past was not a barrier. If you read the rest of Ruth in chapter 4, it goes on to say that both women and men gather around her in support and in praise and blessings to her as part of the community. Through the actions taken by Boaz, we see the foreshadowing of a man named Jesus. And just as Boaz willingly redeemed Ruth and Naomi, we see that Jesus offers himself to be our redeemer. But wait a minute, we said earlier that to be a kinsman redeemer, there were three requirements. So if Jesus is gonna be our redeemer, he too would have to meet these same requirements. First, to be near of kin. The Bible tells us that Jesus was fully man. God called Jesus his son. We are called God's children, we are all part of the same family. Second, to be able to redeem. Jesus and Jesus alone is the only person that has been able to stand before God pure and blameless because he lived his life without sin. And the third, to be willing to redeem. Jesus voluntarily went to the cross to pay the price for our sins. Like Ruth, all of us can have a past that sometimes we feel a little insecure. 
maybe sometimes even unworthy of redemption. But please understand, Jesus knows us by name. And to me, he has said he knows my past and he can make this statement about me. I am proud to redeem Stephen Allen Hay, son of David and Phyllis with his tarnished past, his good days and bad, his brightest and darkest moments. I know all of his qualities, his quirks, his shortcomings and sin, and I take all of him. I redeem him from his past and I am delighted to do it. Please hear this. There is nothing, nothing in your life that can prevent Jesus from redeeming you and hearing him make this same statement about you. Listen to the prophet of Jesus found in Isaiah. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. And also from Titus. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. While Ruth finds renewal and a future security for her life through the redemptive action taken by a man, through Jesus we receive renewal and security. From Ephesians, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Jesus is our Redeemer. So does that mean with Jesus that all we ever hope for will come true? Will everybody driving in a heavy, whiteout conditioned snowstorm make it safely home? Will all cancer patients hear the word that their cancer's in remission? Will everybody who prays for their marriage receive the answer to their prayers? We all know the answer is no. But through the trials and uncertainty of life, we have a choice. We can live our life without Jesus and believe that somehow we can manage all of these things. We live and we die. Or, You can believe in Jesus as your redeemer and have him walk with you to provide comfort, peace, and direction even in the midst of life's challenges and hardships. And when you die, you get to live with him for eternity. Now that is unexpected hope. Would you like to receive the gift of unexpected hope through a relationship with Jesus Christ? In unexpected hope, would you like to receive the gift of life both now and eternity? If your answer is yes, I invite you to pray with me. If you have accepted Jesus in the past, 
but somehow during the course of life's events, you find you've, you've taken another road that you've tried to maintain and address the struggles in life on your own, I invite you also to pray with me. Let us pray. Jesus, I believe that you lived a perfect life. I believe that you willingly went to the cross to pay the price for my sins. I believe that you conquered death and you rose again. Jesus, you are my redeemer. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Please forgive my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And in your timing, lead me home to be with you for eternity. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, you have been redeemed by Jesus, who now offers you renewal and a future hope and security. Plus, you have just received unexpected hope. In that hope, let me offer to you some next steps. First off, if you have taken this step of faith and accepted Jesus as your Savior, or you're still wondering about it and you'd like to talk to somebody, we invite you please to go to the prayer room which was over here to your left. There's people there that would like to talk with you, to pray with you, and they have a resource that will help you on your next step. To those of you that have accepted Jesus as your Savior and Redeemer today, or you have done so in the past, baptism is a biblical way to publicly declare your faith. Our summer baptisms, as you heard Jenna talking about with our announcements today, happen on Sunday, August 11th, with a service that we call Splash. If this is your next step, the first step to take is to sign up for either the adult or the family classes that will be on Tuesday, July 30th, where you'll have the opportunity to learn and understand what baptism is all about. And finally, there are men and women, both locally and across the nation, that are forced into human trafficking. We are all able to take a step to help redeem these people through the support of Fierce Freedom and the Justice Run. As we mentioned, there's a table set up in the lobby by the connection desk. One of the volunteers for Fierce Freedom, Tracy, is out there to help answer any questions and if you're interested to get you signed up for the race. But even if you're not a runner, I would encourage you on Wednesday to come to Carson Park, support the runners, support the organization, learn more about this sin that persists in our world called human trafficking. The first race starts at six, so make sure you come before that. At this time, let us close our time with a prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given us this time to worship you. As our Redeemer, you sent your Son who paid the price for our sins. Renew in us a grateful heart for this act of love. Father, we also thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit and the way that it has prompted those men and women who have accepted you as their Lord and Savior. Please direct their steps 
that their new faith may be encouraged and protected. Finally, Father, we conclude this time of worship with one last song and the opportunity for each of us to support this ministry through offerings. Please bless this church and continue to lead it to be great stewards of all that you provide. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.